At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else like the NFL, and there's no better way to make the games even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on, and mybookie.ag is the best in the business. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code Locked On to activate this offer. That's promo code Locked On. L O C K E D O N. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up and welcome to Crossover Wednesdays here on the Locked On Podcast Network, brought to you in part by Away. Away creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on during checkout. I am James Yarko. One of the hosts of Locked On Bucks, joined by good friend and NFC South rival Ross Jackson, host of Locked On Saints. Ross, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. Doing great. Glad that we get to knock another one out uh, this this year. I love when we get that we get to do two of these every season. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and I haven't even gotten you know to talk to uh, to Locked On Falcons yet. That'll be coming up here soon, but you know, we mm-hmm. won't talk about the Falcons. Might be a little bit of a bitter topic. Oh, it hurts, Yeesh. man. It hurts. It hurts. I'm all good. I'm all good. Everything's <laughs> fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> no, it's been weird. So, like it's been, it's it's one of those things to where it was kind of like after the NFC after the uh, NFC Championship to where everywhere that I went, people were like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> <laughs> Like everyone's worried about my actual well-being. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Everything's it's fine. It's okay. Uh, yeah, I, I I'm used to it at this point. Yeah, I'll I'll go into work <laughs> on Monday morning, and be like, so how was that Bucks game? I'm like, same as every other Bucks game. Right. Yeah, like you're not, <laughs> you're, you haven't really achieved anything here uh, in trying to make me feel bad. Like I know when I I know that was us during the uh, during the seven and nine seasons too. Uh, you know, we had the suspension year in 2012, and then we had those horrible seasons in, what was it, 14, 15, 16 that we all try to forget. And uh, it was like every day people were like, oh, how's the Saints doing? And it's like, come on, it's been three years of this. Like, we, you, you're not really affecting anything anymore. Well, and most of the people I work with are Bengals fans, so I just kind of look at them and I'm like, really? Oh, like, really? Really? Are we, are we going to go there? And then my, my <laughs> boss is a Colts fan, and he's still upset that they lost to the Dolphins. Poor guy. Yikes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Fitz magic. So <laughs> are, are Buccaneers fans going to expect a very uh, pissed off Saints team? Uh, I think so. I think, I mean, look, we, we know ideal. that. Yeah, I know, right? We, <laughs> we, it's like, uh, please say no, please say no. No, I mean, you are. And, and and in particular, I think that you should be expecting a very pissed off Saints game from one Cam Jordan in particular. Um, 
he is somebody that especially was not happy about this win. Certainly Drew Brees was not Michael Thomas. There's nobody that you can find that's going to be in black and gold that's happy about the fact that the Saints got their throats kicked in uh, against the Falcons at home last week. But I do think that in particular there are a couple of players that are going to stand out, and one of them in terms of piss off Ness is probably going to be Cam Jordan in terms of the ones that top the list. Oh, well, you know, it was just another chapter in the uh, Sean Payton-Dirk Cutter rivalry. That's true. Um, but, you, you know, you know the big the big story, of course, is the fact that the Bucks are heading into this game with a little more of an advantage than they had in the last one. One of those advantages oh. being, you know, they split the season series the last four years. You right. guys already took the first one, so you're behind the eight ball there. And now yep. you guys don't get to pick on Vernon Hargraves. So nanny, nanny, boo boo. <laughs> I thought about that the moment that I saw him get cut. I was like, no, the Saints <laughs> need him. <laughs> I was like, my immediate reaction. Uh, and I think it's an interesting thing because now you have you know, a bunch of Saints fans. And I'll, I'll talk about this more, you know, on I'm sure you guys are going to be hitting Vernon Hargraves, like that whole storyline hard on Thursday. I'm going to be addressing the Saints fans want for Vernon Hargreaves all of a sudden in New Orleans because Marshawn Lattimore, of course, got hurt during the Falcons game. Um, he is a hamstring injury, and so he's listed as quote-unquote week-to-week, which to me sounds like multiple weeks potentially that we won't be seeing him. Or much like the Eli Apple situation after the Chicago game when everybody was like, well, Eli Apple's season is over. He might just come back the very next week and ball out. So we'll see exactly what happens. But, uh, but yeah, I, I remember seeing that uh, this morning and immediately just going, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, and, and for people that are big on on the PFF grades, I am not. Uh, our listeners know that I am not a PFF guy. Mm-hmm. But the corner that's essentially replacing Vernon Hargraves, Jamel Dean, he had a rough game against Seattle. He had three touchdowns scored against him. He turns around and he's the hero against Arizona. Over the past two weeks as a starter, he's had eight passes defense. No Buccaneer corner had more than six all of last season. Wow. So he's starting to come into his own, had an interception that turned the game around, you know, gave the Bucks the ball on what became the game-winning drive. So there's a lot of, of optimism there for Jamel Dean, but he was PFF's highest-graded defender in the NFL this past Sunday. So definitely something to build on, something to grow on. But the task is not easy going up against the Saints. You know, Michael Thomas leads the NFL in receiving. Mike Evans on the other side of the ball didn't have a catch in that first game against the Saints. He's number two in the NFL in receiving. And to think that he had, you take that Saints game with zero yards, his Mm -hmm. first two weeks where he combined for just a little over 80, and he's already closing in on a 1,000 for the season, that's pretty incredible. He's had some absolutely outstanding games. I don't think you guys are going to shut him out this weekend. But you're looking at a Saints receiving core that is going to go, uh, obviously, led by Thomas, going up against rookie Jamel Dean, second-year guy Carlton Davis, if he's healthy enough to play. Otherwise, it's rookie Jamel Dean. It's rookie Sean, you know, Sean Murphy bunting. Like, right. Drew Brees can 
feast in this game. Yeah, I think this is one of those games to where, look, the Saints are coming off of this loss, 26-9 to loss to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, that are, They're going to be looking for a bounce-back game. The uh, Bucks are going to be looking for sort of, I don't want to call it a revenge game, but they're certainly going to want to be splitting this series with the Saints, as you mentioned, as they've done so often. And, of course, the games are always weird at Ray J. They just are always weird between these two teams. And so I think that with all of that, the Saints are going to want to come out in this game to a fiery start and try to get as get ahead as early as possible in this game to sort of try to counteract some of the weird sort of theatrics that happen sometimes in these games, you know, a Chris Godwin late score touchdown or, you know, late winning touchdown and things like that. I think you're going to try to distance themselves as quickly as possible. And especially if Marshawn Lattimore is not available, then that means PJ Williams has to guard either Mike Thomas or Chris Godwin, neither of which is a very good situation for the Saints. No, no, not at all. And and now the Bucks finally, granted the majority of it was only on one drive, but they're finally getting OJ Howard involved, which is another wrinkle for the Bucks offense mm-hmm. against opposing defenses. Hopefully he continues to get more and more involved. But let's talk a second about these two run defense. The Bucks and the Buccaneers, obviously the number one run rushing defense. In the NFL, they've only allowed a 100-yard rusher once this season, and that was Chris Carson. And that's because the dude busted off a 60-yard run and still fumbled because Devin White's a beast <laughs> and chased him down. So you have Alvin Kamara, obviously one of the biggest running back threats in the NFL. How do you feel that this Saints rush defense is going to stack up against an emerging Ronald Jones who now – not only is he the best running back on the Bucks roster, he's also a pass catching threat out of the backfield, which is not something that we have seen from him or expected of him, uh, especially midway through season two. Guys, your parents don't pack your lunches anymore, but you still need to eat. Have your favorite restaurants brought to you with DoorDash. Brown paper bag not included. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Not only is your favorite pizza joint already on DoorDash, but there are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,000 cities, so you might find a new favorite. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory. Don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. Yeah, I mean, I love the way that uh, that Ronald Jones is shaken out for Tampa Bay. They're basically getting way more than they ever bargained for with him at this point, which is great. I'm glad to see that he's emerging. But I do think that the run that the Saints run game gets back on track. They got back on track last week in the in, in their game against Atlanta. They gave up 143 rushing yards. However, 57 of those came on the opening drive for Atlanta, who ran, I think it was five times, seven times in that first drive. And uh, 19 came on an end around and then another 12 came on a direct snap. And then the rest were, you know, barely anything. And so over the rest of the game, 27 carries for just over 80 yards. And so the Saints did a really good job sort of adjusting to the run game after they got past all the sort of the fluky plays in that first 
uh, in that first drive. So when you look at the end result and you just kind of look at maybe a box score or something like that, you might think that the Saints had a very bad day defending the run. But when you look at it in film and then you see what those plays individually were and where the bulk of those plays happen, you can kind of understand that, okay, great, they did turn that back on and they got back to being the run defense that we expect. The Saints also still not allowed a 100-yard rusher so far this season and haven't done it in some time. And so now they come into a, uh, you know, a Tampa Bay, come up against a Tampa Bay team who's really starting to put it together in terms of their run running game. And this is a point in the season to where evaluation becomes so important for Tampa Bay, and the players know that. So this is an opportunity for them to go and show out against one of the best run defenses in the NFL and honestly one of the better defenses in the NFL, though they didn't look like it against Atlanta uh, on Sunday. Uh, but still, one of the better and more respectable defenses in the NFL. This is an opportunity for them to show out. So there's a lot of motivation flying around here. And I imagine that the Vernon Hargreaves uh, um, release was a little bit of a message to these other players that you either get with it or you get out. And I, I wonder how many other players around that uh, that organization are starting to say, OK, great, this is when I need to turn it on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's it's definitely going to be a pivotal part of the game for both sides to be able to shut down the opposing run game. The Bucks rely heavily on the run. I'm, I, I don't know the numbers for sure, but I have to assume that the Buccaneers are number one in the NFL in rushing on first downs. Uh, granted, when they've tried to throw on first downs, it usually ends in disaster. So I don't understand why some Buccaneers fans are still screaming in, in the Twitter mentions about why are they running on first down again? Well, because it works better than that. <laughs> um, but yeah, to have, to have a weapon like Alvin Kamara get on track, especially against a defense as stout as the Bucks against the run, he's obviously going to be heavily involved in the pass game, but you, know, you you never want to, to to look at at a guy like Drew Brees and say, you know what, was this team better when Teddy Bridgewater was under center? But Ross, was this team better when Teddy Bridgewater was under center? <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. I think that what we're seeing right now is, you know, it, it's an interesting thing. And I mentioned this uh, in, in a radio call the other day, but one of the things that's really interesting is that before Sunday's game against the Falcons, a lot of people were talking about, oh, great, this is the first time that the Saints have had their entire team together, which there's truth to that. Sheldon Rankins was out at the beginning of the season, still recovering from the ACL injury. Um, David Onyemata was out with his suspension. P.J. Williams missed a couple of games. Alvin Kamara was hurt. Then, of course, Drew Brees was hurt. And Jared Cook was also out for a little while, too. And so this was the first time to where every single one of those names was back and in the lineup. You could throw Traquan Smith in there as well. But there's also... There's also a little bit of communication gap that happens when that becomes the case, too. You know, it's not that you just plug all those players in and then everybody communicates and that everything works like it's supposed to. It's, it's as if this is essentially the team's going into this game against Tampa Bay. It's becoming the team's second game together, essentially. And so with that being the case, I think that what you saw on Sunday against the Falcons, although there's a lot to learn from there in terms of what they allowed to happen, uh, in terms of not you know being stubborn, not adjusting, not making plays, not completing passes, things like that. Ted Ginn Jr. looking at you. But when it comes right. down to <laughs> what some of these players uh, are, are going to be doing coming into this game, I think you're going to see them mesh a little bit better and connect a little bit better coming into this now that they've had some more time all actually in this offense together in particular, which really was the biggest issue for the Saints against Atlanta is that the offense couldn't convert. They walked away with three field goals in that game despite getting into the red zone three times. And so with that being the case and we saw that a lot with Teddy Bridgewater as well you're not going to win games that way you might have won one game that way against the Dallas Cowboys where they didn't score a touchdown and they kicked four field goals but 
that's a very different team and that's a very different type of motivation that that team was coming into the Superdome with than what you face with the Atlanta Falcons. And so when you come up with this game against Tampa Bay, you can't allow any kind of that wackiness to take place because Tampa Bay is a team that has shown they can put up a lot of yards, and unlike the Falcons, they can put up a lot of points too. That's where that's that's where these two teams differ, and why I think that Tampa Bay is better uh, than Atlanta is because you. I mean, the the team can score, the team can get into the end zone. They have the weapons, and they can take advantage of it. That's one of the things that, especially if Marshawn Lattimore ends up missing any time, um, and uh, as well as some of these other guys that you know, uh, Andrus Pete being out. You know, the the Saints held up pretty well against the uh, the Tampa Bay pass rush in their last game but right now maybe Andrews Pete misses some time you've got Will Clapp come in he's essentially a speed bump when playing in the middle so do they move Nick Easton there there's so many questions just centered around all of these uh, all, all of these injuries that there's a lot of open doors there'll be a lot of opportunities for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to be able to take advantage of that with a team that is a little bit more cohesive having spent more time together all right well Ross are, are you ready to move on to our uh, our key matchups of the game Yes, sir. Absolutely. All right. I'll, I'll tell you what, the, the key thing that I'm looking for, uh, and it's something that I've kind of already talked about, it's going to be a major storyline. And that is the Saints receivers going up against this Bucks secondary. The, the Bucks secondary is the worst in the NFL. They just got rid of a former number one pick. So you have rookies, possibly second year player in Davis, responsible for shutting down the number one receiver in the NFL. Not ideal. Just that's not that's not what you're hoping for. And so it's something that I mentioned last week with Bo when we did the the crossover about the Cardinals. I do expect a lot of chatter this offseason about the Bucks potentially trading for Patrick Peterson. I do mm. think that's a very viable option. I do think they are going to look for a veteran corner to bring into that room. They've drafted plenty of corners and they've drafted corners that have shown promise you're having penalty issues with Davis you're having you know adjustment issues with Dean you're having both with with Sean Murphy bunting um but they're young guys first and second year players you need that vet you need that voice in the locker room and they're not going to get it now it's too late now you gotta you gotta play with the hand you've been dealt at this point but they're going to bring in a veteran in the offseason and I do believe that'll end up being Patrick Peterson whether people are fans of that or not I know plenty that aren't um that's where i stand on that but as it relates to to this weekend's game i mean michael thomas destroyed destroyed this team in their first meeting where on the flip side as i you know as we talked about earlier you have the number two receiver in the nfl who had zero catches for the first time and i believe the streak was 86 game or, or 84 games or something ridiculous like that Wow. His first time not having a reception in a game, and he was only targeted three times. Whether Marshawn Lattimore is healthy or not, that's not happening this game. I can promise you that. Uh, you know, they they tried to say that the Saints schemed him out of the game. You 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 don't scheme Mike Evans out of the game. He's Mike Evans. You put it up, and you give him the opportunity to go get it. Right. Um, but seeing what Michael Thomas has already done to this team seeing the opposition that he will be facing, that's going to be the key to this game. Jamel Dean has to play as well as he did against the Cardinals. And Carlton Davis has to step onto the field and not get flagged numerous times as he had all year long if the Bucs are going to have a chance to win this one. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I think one of my keys goes pretty hand in hand with that. And I'm actually interested to get your opinion in here. So I have a question for you about it as well. But for the Saints, a big part of it is figuring out who the hell's going to be your wide receiver number two at this point in the season. I mean, you've got Jared Cook, who had a good game last week, six catches over 70 yards, pretty much exactly what we expected him coming back and actually getting time with Drew Brees, only the second time that they played together. And then you've got Alvin Kamara, who did put up over 100 scrimmage yards last time that these two teams met, but has not really been the big-time playmaker, excellent guy that he was over his first couple of years this season. He's kind of trickled off a little bit, and some of that has to do with injury. Some of it has to do with usage, things like that. It's not entirely just on him. It's not as if he's less talented or less effective. Uh, So when you look at that and you say, okay, we know Michael Thomas scares opposing defenses, or we know that Michael Thomas puts opposing defenses on notice. Let me put it that way. But When it comes to Ted Ginn Jr., Traquan Smith, potentially Austin Carr, Deontay Harris, I mean, is are are these guys even on the radar for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and 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 people looking at this game? These other wide receivers in the mix. Uh, Ted Ginn always is just because of of the deep threat that he poses. Mm -hmm. But kind of like Buccaneer Brashad Perryman, yeah, he can be a deep threat, but is he actually going to come down with the ball? (laughs) Um. And and we've dealt with we've dealt with the Saints long enough to know it does not matter whose name is on the back of the jersey because Drew Brees is going to find someone and it could be <clears throat> excuse me it could be a guy that you guys promote from the practice squad on Friday and he will get a buck sixty and a touchdown because that's just what Drew Brees has done to this Buccaneers team for the last decade. So it it doesn't necessarily have to be a name. I mean, outside of Michael Thomas, obviously. It doesn't have to be a a certain player. We know someone is going to get open, and Drew Brees is going to find which defender he's going to pick on, and that guy is going to have a huge day. Even even with with Cook, Mm -hmm. their their chemistry might not be totally there, but you're talking about a team that is is one of the bottom four teams in the NFL when defending against the tight end position. So we already mm-hmm. know the tight end's going to have a big day. We know Michael Thomas is going to have a big day. Now it's it's spin the wheel and pick, you know, Drew Brees can have his, you know, going back to, you know, even before Marcus Colston was there, when, when Drew Brees would have his receiver of the week. And nobody in fantasy yep. football wanted to draft Saints wide receivers because they're like, we don't know who to start. It, it changes every <laughs> week. So – yeah, there's there's no one in particular I, I would say is on the radar. It's just a matter of which player is it that Drew Brees is going to focus on because he is going to pick on player X from the Bucks. Yeah, and and my my vote for this game is to watch for Jared Cook to be the second guy again. He was the second leading receiver in terms of receiving yards against the Falcons, but there wasn't much really to go around. Drew Brees only threw for 287 yards. I think you get a different story this week, and I think you have Michael Thomas who has his big game, but I look for Jared Cook to have a big game too because that's part of one of the reasons why they brought him in was to sort of act as that second receiver you know, that uh, that can populate the middle of the field, that can populate the seam, that can give Drew Brees some of those routes that he hasn't been able to throw to since Jimmy Graham was in the building. And so Jared Cook's really who I've got my eye on in this game and I think he's going to be a big key for the Saints in terms of being able to get him the ball and uh, sort of spread the sort of share the wealth away from uh, Michael Thomas a little bit it's not going to help them in terms of their 
uh, share, the wide receiver target share, I think is 66.9% in favor of Michael Thomas when it comes to wide receiver targets. But I do think that there's some other to go around for uh, receivers out of the backfield, as well as Jared Cook uh, being that other guy from the tight end position. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, Ross, any any last things you want to touch on before we head over to our score predictions? Can I also add that um, I think this is the game that I, I said this before the last game, too, and then the Saints ended up running the ball 11 times. So maybe I shouldn't say this <laughs> at all. <laughs> but uh, but I, I'm interested still in seeing what the Saints end up doing. Latavius Murray had two very good games with Alvin Kamara out. Alvin Kamara has shown that he can still be effective. He ran for over – he had six yards per carry last week, but for some reason he only handed the ball to him four times. Uh, but I think that they get a little bit more back into their run game uh, focus offense, uh, getting a, you know actually actually paying into that bank a little bit in this game, and I'm interested to see what the share is going to be between the two running backs because I believe there will be a greater focus on the run in this game to help set up the pass later on. All right, all right. Well, you know they they can focus on the run all they want. Doesn't mean Vita Bay is going. Well. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Moana out is, there just crushing everybody. He's like, go ahead, hand it to Alvin, hand it to Latavius. Don't matter. I'm here. That's right. All right. Well, Ross, as you are the away team, I will uh I will defer to you to make the your your score prediction first. So what do you have for Sunday? What an excellent host you are, James. I um, try. You know, <laughs> David doesn't appreciate me the way you do. <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry, David's not here. David got his away suitcase and he's off somewhere else. That's he's, right, he's doing his own thing, turning um, around but, and going again. <laughs> um, no, I think that uh, it, it, this is actually really nice and this is freeing because. Last week, the Saints lost when I picked them to lose. And so now I can stop playing that game and I can actually pick this game the way that I want to pick it. Uh, the Saints open up this game five and a half point favorites. Uh, I don't think that they cover, but I do think that they win. And I think that it's a pretty sizable score here. I'm going to give it a three, like maybe a three point difference here. So I'm going to go 31-28 in favor of the Saints. I think it's a close one. I think it's a late game win. Uh, and I think that this is another one to where the Saints don't score in their opening drive. The Bucks get out. Uh, quick and then the saints have to try to rally but this time they do it although they want to get out early so you're calling for the first saints sweep of this series in five years this is the one because remember last time remember last time i had to pick the saints to lose so i might as well pick the saints to win this one that's that's fair (laughs) now for the first time all season I picked the Buccaneers to win, and they actually freaking did it. I'm going to ride that wave. Do it. Do it. Do it. The split continues, and the Buccaneers escape Ray J with back-to-back wins, 38-34. I like it. I like it. I think, and one of the reasons why I can feel comfortable picking the Saints not to split this series is because I was confident they were going to sweep the series with the Falcons. They won't do that. I don't think they're going to sweep the series with the Panthers because they have a week 17 game with them that I think is going to be meaningless. And so I got to pick them to sweep at least one of these guys. And I think that Tampa Bay is going to be the team this year, Uh, but it's going to take a lot to do it. 
Yeah, it, it definitely should be an interesting game, and and I'm sure I'm going to yell and scream at the television as I usually do. And <laughs> just who's going to be you know caught in my crosshairs this week? It it changes all the time. A couple of times it was the referees. Speaking of which, oh yes, please. while while I have you, I here, love talking about referees. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Michael Thomas got away with that offensive pass interference against Hargraves back in this first meeting, don't you? I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, of course, of course, I know. <laughs> of course, yes, yes. That was one of those things where, like, you watch it and you go, "Oh man, come on!" Like, <laughs> you know, like you kind of wish it would get called so that you don't have to deal with it at another time. Like, the game was this. That was one of those games that probably wouldn't have been affected if that pass interference would have been called, but it's just kind of like you sit there and you go, "Ah, okay, I guess have your touchdown. (laughs) That was like, there was a touchdown last year that Michael Thomas quote unquote caught in the Cincinnati Bengals game. That completely was not a catch. And they ruled it a catch and they reviewed it and they couldn't overturn it because there wasn't enough video evidence, but it was pretty clearly not a catch. And you kind of just go, okay, I suppose, and then you just have to let it go. Uh, but yes, no, I, I 100% believe that that was offensive pass interference on Michael Thomas. Sorry, everybody, but I calls him like a season. <laughs> I've been pulling well, no punches this week, and so this just adds to it. Well, and that was like people were were up in arms about the Jamel Dean pass breakup at the end of the Cardinals game this past week, where they're you know, oh, you reviewed the the pass interference against the Cardinals and and ruled it pass interference in the end zone and yada 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 why didn't that get reviewed and it's like well I mean Kyler Murray got sacked but they ruled that he threw the ball away and yeah there 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 were some other fishy things that had been going on earlier so we'll just call that a makeup call and (laughs) yeah you know the the Bucks have been screwed over by the refs so much this season and it was like you know what it's nice to see the Bucks win a referee screw job just every once in a while yeah, absolutely. Sometimes you just got to take them. And especially, look, the Bucks started off this this season one step behind. Just, I mean, they got screwed immediately by the schedule. And so, <laughs> you know, so which, you can give them a damn pass breakup. Which you got to love that the NFL contacts Bruce Arians and says, you know what? We're going to implement a rule to make sure that this doesn't happen to another team again. And it's like, well, why didn't you guys figure that out when you were making the schedule and not right. let it happen to the Bucks and the Raiders this year? Like, there's yeah. no excuse for it. Yeah, like you could have made that decision when you looked at the schedule and went, oh, well, that kind of sucks. Yeah, 48 <laughs> days in between home games and you throw in a trip to London. Like, come on. I, but at least da- – oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, and David and I talked about this. You know, you give us who's playing who – and, you know, the NFL can can pay us to sit in a room for a few hours and we'll come out with a better schedule than that. You know what, Ross, you're coming with the three of us. Let's do it. We're we're going to hammer out the Buccaneer schedule. NFL can pay us and provide a delicious lunch and we will do a better job and make sure that a team does not go seven weeks in between home games. Yeah. And while we're at it, let's go ahead and build a Patriot schedule, too, so they can stop getting these Alabama cupcake schedules, by the way. But um, on know, top of it, <laughs> that's not even their fault. Their division is so bad. I know. It's just, it's really that they've got six <laughs> games that you can't help but go, well, I guess this is what we're doing this year. Uh, and it's, it's like, not really a lot to help with that. They face the other two teams that finished in first place the year before, but those teams suck this year, too. Like, I mean, <laughs> they're, oh, they're just. 
damn Patriots. Right. It was a roll of the dice. It was a roll of the dice. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, at least there's this. At least the Buccaneers didn't get, unlike the Atlanta Falcons, didn't get a uh, a London game because they can't fill their home stadium. At least, at least the Bucks got a London game because it was their turn to be an international series. The Falcons already have a London game or an international series game scheduled for next year, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that they can't sell tickets in Atlanta. Well, the the Bucks London game was in exchange for them getting the Super Bowl. Mm, they had mm-hmm. to they had to give up that home game to to secure the Super Bowl. Which there you go. I get it. You know, God knows that the stadium will be full because I mean, let's not. Well, let's not kid ourselves. The Buccaneers can't fill the stadium with Buccaneers fans. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I do get it. Like, people around here, like I was telling you before we started the show, I woke up to three inches of snow this morning. Right. If the Bengals were playing in Cincinnati in December, you better believe that people around here are going to say, all right, family vacation. We're going to Florida to get out of this crap. Right. Let's check out the Bengals while we're down there. Like, I get it. But sometimes you're just like, can can it not like with the giants game it was so infuriating when the giants were coming back and eventually took the lead it sounded like the game was in the meadowlands and that is so dejecting and infuriating especially for the players they're like this is supposed to be our home this is supposed to be where we have the advantage and we're having to fight and claw against a stadium full of giants fans because all these new yakas have move down here right like no that it's 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 maddening right well shout out to the bucks fans that show up and show out um i i don't, I don't talk trash a lot man but uh i can't relate i'm sorry there are some stadiums that are just always going to be you know new orleans right. kansas city mm-hmm. seattle you know the, green bay of Cleveland, course green bay yeah um you know, some some fan bases are just that's how diehard they are. And again, it does not help that the Bucks are located in a tourist destination. Yep. So there's a lot of transplant citizens who keep their teams. And there's a lot of people that come vacation during football season to get out of their crappy weather and right. go enjoy the nice Florida sun. So <laughs> all they got to do is start winning in the, you know, those those tickets for the away fans are not going to be so readily available anymore. Yep. Yep. So, um, all right. Well, Ross, I think that is going to do it for us, especially after we went on about a 10 minute on game <laughs> tangent, but that's why I love doing these shows. with you. Me too, man. Me too. Always a good time. Always fun, man. I appreciate it. All right. And of course you can check out everything Ross is doing on Twitter at Ross Jackson, ASC and at allsaintsconsidered.com. Make sure you're checking out everything I'm doing over at BucksNation.com. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding Wednesday. For you Star Wars nerds out there that are like me, I hope you enjoyed The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. It is awesome. <laughs> have a fantastic day, and thank you so much for joining us right here. One across the Labels out here, now they can't tell me nothing. We give it to the people, spread it across the country. Here we go back, this is the moment.